morning. I'm Karen Audubonny. This morning on the air with me is 2nd District Supervisor Mo Mulhern. Mo, are you there? I'm here. Good morning. Good morning. She's a little bit fuzzy because she took the time. She's sitting in her car on the way to a meeting, and we're going to do this because Mo hasn't been on the air with me. I looked, at, I looked it up. It's been a year and a half. You had just come on. You were a newbie supervisor back then. Um, and it's been a, a long tedious year hasn't it mo um but you've been working really hard i stream as mo knows i stream the board meetings uh yesterday they put in a a long over 10 hour day uh last board meeting before that it was a long 10 hour day um a lot of closed sessions a lot of tough issues this board of supervisors is dealing with so mo first off thank you for doing what you're doing it's a tough job but you're doing good at it. You're hanging in there and you're asking the right questions. So how's it been for you since we talked last? How are you, how are you feeling about everything going on? I do joke that it depends on the day, right? I mean, it depends on what's happening, how much I, I love this job and how hard this job is. But every single day, it's worth it when I get up um, to be able to do the work that we're doing. And this board is making some tough decisions and doing... Um, a lot of things that previous boards haven't done and you know not to anybody's fault we just have five different people that are making the decisions and you know my goal of course as a local elected is to leave this county better than when i started and i think that we're going to get there it's just that we have some pretty challenging things to go through right now well, and we've also, it, it doesn't feel like, I will say, it doesn't feel like 2008 financially yet, but we are, it feels like we don't have a lot of extra money to do a lot of extra things. We're having to, you know, tighten up our budget, tighten up what we can do in preparation of what's, of the, a lot, of, lot not a lot of money coming in that had been anticipated. Is that about right, I think? And that's what I'm feeling anyway. Sure. Well, I think that during COVID, there was so much money that was coming in from federal and the state government um, to be able to manage the pandemic that maybe we got a um, little too comfortable. And, and the county has received, you know, a lot of one-time funds, but those shouldn't be used for ongoing expenses out of the general fund. So there are some tough decisions to make, but there's also been some really great times. I mean, how great is it as a new supervisor for me to go with first district supervisor Glenn McGordy to the communities in Potter Valley and Redwood Valley and be able to share with them, hey, what do you think we should do with this PG&E money and to go ahead and bring that back to those communities? I mean, that was an incredibly rewarding um, experience. Obviously, that doesn't happen. That's like a, a once in a lifetime thing, thank goodness. Um, but I think because there have been um, large one-time funds that maybe it, it just is hard for people to understand what's actually in the general fund and what can be used for what. And since 2008, there's been, and I don't know what it was like before then. I really don't even know what it was like in 2008, right? I wasn't a supervisor, but there's been a lot of deferred maintenance. There's been a lot of um, capital projects that haven't happened. And you talk about the county roads. You talk about the county buildings um, that really haven't been updated um, or improved upon. We have 
I don't even know how many roofs we need to replace, how many HVAC systems we need to replace. And all of these things um, are just sitting there waiting to happen and, and have the enough money. But then, of course, every single day the prices go up on things. Well, and as I've always said, and I've tried to make our listeners really aware uh, well aware of is our county there's more money that comes in from the state and the feds than we could ever generate to do what we need to do as a county period the discretionary money that the board of supervisors has at the end of the year or during the year is minuscule to the amount of money that is already designated for projects and things for the state and the feds so um deferred maintenances on all the buildings that we own is always going to be an issue it seems like to me um i know the road i've been you know had uh howard de shields on for years and the maintenance the deferred maintenance on the road has always happened it's just now that it's coming to the point where a lot of this infrastructure is getting so deteriorated it's a must do not we can maybe do it in a couple of years I, that's what i that's what i've been seeing over the years so and unfortunately it's fallen on you and the board now to deal with that um, one of the topics that's been coming up lately and i know it's you're passionate about it and i've actually been hearing more about it in the community and that's these overdose the drug issues that are going on in the county i know you're passionate about it and you've been trying to work on it um marvin trotter uh spoke yesterday before the supervisors and was really passionate about uh treatment and fentanyl coming into the county and all of that could you just catch us up on what's going on and what you're doing and Sitting as a supervisor, what's your perspective on that? So, as a supervisor, I sit on the Behavioral Health Advisory Board as a representative for the supervisors. I don't vote in that meeting, but I am there to listen to the community members that are talking about um, mental health and substance abuse. And, you know, I think that it's one of the topics that many people don't like to discuss in the community, but the fact of the matter is that it touches every single person's life. And whether that's if you have a friend or a family member that is um, addicted to substances or you are potentially the, you know, victim of a, a theft because somebody was trying to um, get money for drugs. It really impacts all of our lives. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of research and a lot of study about why people use drugs. And I think that was one of the things that was discussed yesterday during public expression and the board is like, you know, are, are you using street drugs because you got addicted to prescription drugs because of whatever, an industry, an injury, or, um, you know, are you working through um, traumas and self-medicating? There's a lot of reasons um, why that happens. The current issue, and this isn't just a Mendocino County problem. I mean, fentanyl is a, going rampant across the entire nation, but in 2021, Mendocino County had 75 overdoses, and that's death by overdose. That is not overdoses where the individual was able to be revived. So I think that when you're talking about um, treatment options, frankly, there aren't enough. Um, but we, in my opinion, we do need to support the ones who are doing good. So Ukai Recovery Center is um, a treatment and a sober living facility and they have been seeking funds from um, the county opioid settlement fund and the measure b 
to expand um, sober living. And one of the things that I see with this project, because I also attend the Stepping Up Initiative meetings um, that help connect behavioral health resources to inmates that are leaving the jail, um, and also um, working on some of the other initiatives in the jail to help people that are dealing with addiction to be able to um, live, I don't know, you know, sober when they get out. And for me, that's one of the things is when people are released from the jail and hopefully they are sober while they're in jail, they have time to detox. They have time to um, start thinking about getting into treatment to, to not be able to release them into a place locally is really a challenge. And during the last year and a half, there's been incredible opportunities, again, because of these um, state funding opportunities to open up um, more options for treatment. But I think Dr. Miller said at one of our recent meetings, we just sent two kids to um, Southern California for treatment. And for, for teenagers to be that far away from their families while they're going through treatment, or even you know when we're talking about adults, maybe the adult has um, children or family that they want to stay nearby, to, to have a resource like Ukiah Recovery Center or other local options is incredibly, incredibly important. Um, one, one, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to, that's fine. No, no, go ahead. So one of the things that I've been working with the Sheriff's Office and Behavioral Health and UPD on is um, an over, overdose hotline specifically for the saints, right? So that we didn't lose that person to overdose. We, I'm thinking about having a business card printed up that they could give them. So it's like, you know, call this number because our best chance to reach somebody in their addiction is honestly after um, an overdose when you would think that they would be near rock bottom to be able to get into treatment. And that won't be everybody, but I think we've got to try something different because what we're doing is not working. Yeah, that the, the number for the suicide or for the overdose deaths in Mendocino County is one of the highest I I heard percentage wise, isn't it? For the whole state, um, we're maxing out on that. And then I I've also seen that there's more Narcan available. That's the new drug that you can em- administer and bring some of these ODs that are on, on drugs back. Um, I know that there's been a group trying to work in Anderson Valley to get some um, I don't know dispensaries or some places where you can easily get the Narcan and that stuff. I know all the sheriff uh, and fire departments now have them in their rigs, I believe, um, which seems to be helping, but it doesn't get to the root of the problem. Um, Just to put it out there, a hotline would be, I think, would be helpful for family and everybody that can do it. But it's it's a huge issue, and it's not just in Mendocino County, but it seems to be a big issue in Mendocino County for us. So um, I'm glad to hear there's a, a good good chunk of uh, state and federal money coming in to help that. Um, but that kind of that kind of leads into the other issue that I was hoping that we could talk about, which is um, housing, because I know that housing is an issue for people with uh, drug problems and coming out of jail and all of that. And I know the county's made some big strides in the last, um, since you've been on the board, for getting some um, housing, um, the big hotel that was changed into housing on the on Orchard Street, I believe it is, isn't it? Um, apartments. Yeah, those apartments and stuff like that. So that seemed, did you feel like that's helping? Is that, 
I mean, it seems to be, I hear good things about it, but you hear more than I do about that. So, so that's a step in the yeah, right direction. I do think that's helping, and, you know, sometimes when we talk about homelessness, we also talk about drug addiction and mental illness, and I want to be very um, careful that not every homeless person, you know, obviously is drug addicted or mentally ill, but our ability as a community to get people off the streets in the last year with the number of housing units that have come in last year and a half, has been um, outstanding. So with Live Oak Apartments, with Ore Creek Commons, with um, the new Millview that is on Lover's Lane in Ukiah, and then there's also been a couple of projects in Fort Bragg. I'm sorry, I don't know the names of them. But that has been incredibly helpful to get you know our, our most vulnerable people off of the streets. It's still not enough, but um, it definitely has been incredibly helpful and i the, the social services department is going to be coming to the board i believe in december with an update on homelessness and they'll be able to share more of the actual data and the numbers um so housing is incredibly important and forefront on my mind all the time and you know we've been able to bring in low-income housing because those funds are available but what in my opinion what we really need is middle market or like career level housing and there's a couple of developments that have been sort of put on the back burner the bella vista project that is on south state street um and global lane has been revived. It's looking its way through the entitlement process with planning and building and should hopefully go to the planning commission very soon. And I don't want to get these numbers wrong, but I think it's, it's about 157 units and some of them would be, I believe, senior bungalows and some would be single family residences. Um, so I know that that project is still out there. They're trying to move through the entitlement process. And I think that would be incredibly beneficial to our community to have that extra housing stock um obviously because i'm a city of ukiah resident and my district is district two i know that the um city of ukiah you know essentially built out there's not a lot of open space left within the city limits um they are able to find some places to do infill projects and they have a vacant and underutilized land plan they're currently updating their general plan but I think in a conversation that's sort of been on the back burner for many years is tax sharing and annexation. And um, I think that some of the challenges that have happened, and especially in the Paya Valley in the past, um, regarding you know picket fence building, those those challenges are really being worked through. I sit on the LAFCO board, and on Monday we had our second public hearing, um, public workshop, excuse me about the city of Ukiah and the Ukiah Valley Sanitation District plan to um, move forward with a, a merger agreement that would work for both of those agencies. And that's really, you know, a, a, something that's decades long in the making. Same with um, the water districts around surrounding the city of Ukiah. So these very small water districts really aren't able to keep up with um, capacity and the types of housing that we need. So being able to work together and, um, you know, look at consolidations and mergers, which right now the state is happy to um, 
assistive financially. So like there's never been a better time for as a community for us to just strategically plan what our infrastructure looks like. And really, um, you know, I'm super proud of the people that have come to the table and really taken the personalities and some of the old um, thinking out of those equations and been able to move forward with these important, you know, projects. Okay, I'm going to just reintroduce, um, I'm Karen Audubon, my guest today is Mo Mulhern, she's the second district supervisor. I'm going to see, if maybe if you get a little closer to your phone, she's in, she's sitting in the car, sorry about the quality, she's sitting in her phone on the way to a meeting in Lakeport, um, or Lake County, and doing this interview with us to try to get us up to speed. Um, housing, this has been a big issue, the whole, uh, the whole issue of the annexation of surrounding areas into the city of Ukiah has been going on for I think I've covered it 15 years ago Mo um, so this has been something that has been going on there never been a tax sharing uh, situation but we're we're in a it, the county is in a situation where it takes infrastructure to develop um, just so people who are listening that maybe don't know this the whole southern end from I think Laws Avenue south on State Street to the health club and all of that all of that, that's the 5th District. That is not within the count, the city of Ukiah. But it's perfect for development. I mean, this is this is where I think the county has um, has really needed to focus over the years. You start with the area of Willits and Fort Bragg and the city of Ukiah that have the infrastructure that can probably be easier to, and cheaper to expand it a, a, out a bit than to whole, build a whole new infrastructure. Um, the reason I know this is because that's what's happening in Anderson Valley. We're trying to get a whole new infrastructure in and it's taking five years and multiple multiple millions of dollars to do it so uh, the quick and easy solution as in my humble opinion is to expand out from where we're at um, so I'm really glad to hear Mo that that's happening and moving forward because that seems to be our quickest uh, way to get around it um, because the thing that's been coming up at every board meeting is housing which impacts our ability to hire staff for the county and we've got a huge vacancy rate um, with departments that are just suffering and with not having employees and a big issue with bringing people to the area to take these jobs is housing so it's kind of yeah. yeah go ahead well i wanted to just say about the tax sharing again you know I, w I wasn't there during previous negotiations but i'm super proud that we have the four incorporated cities have come up with like a master tax um, agreement that we're trying to work through that we the county is trying to work through with them um, that they've come up together so that we can have something that you know conceivably could work in every area and every district so that we're not um, you know just doing these one-offs and doing poor planning so again you know to have the four incorporated cities bringing a plan for the county to discuss and we're, we're working through the vetting process right now um i think is an incredibly important as a, a step forward that's huge for our community but i feel like the types of housing that we get um really we need people to open their minds about the variety of types of housing that people might want and this is you know a conversation i've had many many times but yesterday the board approved sending to the planning commission a uh, plan for tiny homes and you know 
tiny home lifestyle is not for everybody, right? I get that. But at the same time, if people are choosing to live a, um, a less impactful lifestyle, I think that we should support them on that. And certainly, if that's what's in their budget, if that's what they can afford for now, then I definitely want to support people having the opportunity to um, basically live however they want on their own private property. Yes, I was very, I was very excited to hear about the tiny home concept coming before the board and doing, um, getting some move it, movement forward in the planning department and the building department for zoning to let that happen. It's kind of like with the ADUs uh, at um, additional dwelling units that was had uh, been on the agenda the last couple of board meetings. Um, you know, the planning department and the supervisors are really, and the state, it's coming down from the state, are really looking hard at opening up the concepts around housing and zoning and what fits where. Um, one of the issues that's come up for me, and I've heard this from a few people too, is that the state regs trickle down to the county, and the state regs, regulations about construction and materials and building and all these ordinance around building, can be really cumbersome, and they can also not work well in our rural setting. Okay, they may be great for San Francisco and Sacramento and all the big cities, but some of these ordinances just don't work locally. Um, have you found out how much how much leeway do we have as a county and you as the supervisors to actually work around these state ordinances? This is what's come up for me a couple times as I'm trying to develop senior housing in Anderson Valley. Okay, this comes from my own perspective on that. So is, is there any way the county has more flexibility to go, that doesn't work for us? I wish. You know, I, that was one of the things. That was one of the things I learned early on on the council. Right? Like, first of all, there's a lot of reasons why the budget spent spend a certain way. But second of all, I mean, before you can change any kind of ordinance or code, you have to figure out if it's a state or a local ordinance or code. And unfortunately, the majority of them cannot be changed um, locally, which. Is, is certainly frustrating, especially, like you said, you know, we are so rural that it's it's really can be a challenge to jump through some of the some of those hoops. So we just don't have the flexibility. And, and the one that jumps to mind to me is I'm off the grid. I'm in the hills. I want to build and they want me to have to put in a, a sprinkler suppression system that takes gallons and gallons and and multiple, you know, watts of power to push the doggone thing. It's just not reasonable. I mean, it's just just not reasonable. So, well, that's disappointing to hear. I'm sorry to hear that, Mo, because I tell yeah, you. I wish I had better news on that. Yeah, I mean. The other thing that that. Go ahead. Go ahead. You froze up there, girl. Well, one of the things when I was on the city council. Well, one of the things when I was on the city council was um, also a lot of concerns around earthquake retrofitting. You know, and, and the requirements for that. We have many buildings in downtown Ukiah that are vacant because of the earthquake retrofitting requirements that are issued by the state. And at one point, I think the state was going to do a study about how many buildings there were and how many millions of dollars, billions, I'm assuming, would take to bring all of the buildings up to code. I don't know if that ever got done or not, but it's, you know, it's an incredible impact for our ability as a community to to create economic development or housing because of those requirements. 
Yeah, one of the perfect examples I did a show years ago on was the state is uh, mandated by, and I don't know if that mandate has come and gone, updating all the hospitals in the state to earthquake-proof. And it came down to, I think I did an interview with somebody up in Wairika, and they were basically, it was the only local hospital, only one, for miles and miles and miles. And they were going to have to close it down because they could not get the money to retrofit it. So you either have a hospital that most likely might make it through the you know, an earthquake, because most of them have, or you don't have a hospital. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't get the equality, I don't get the equation there. That's, um, that's one of the ones that's always stumped me. So, well, I hope that we can get, um, I hope the, I I do feel like um, the planning department and building department has new energy. I was over there last week uh, dealing with them. I felt really good excitement in there, a positive feeling coming from the building department about moving projects through, open to new, you know, new ideas and open to projects and stuff. So, um i'm hoping that that's going to continue with the supervisors talking with them about adus and the teeny homes and all of that because that's where it's going to start is building planning and zoning that's what's going to it's going to have to start there and, and spiral up so all right so uh the other thing is you're on some really great committees you're dealing with um one that i don't know about because i you know other issues but the great redwood trail you wanted to tell us about what's going on with that i've seen a lot of the work that's gone on in the downtown ukiah corridor um that looks really fun and exciting nice walkable trail and all of that uh I will say up front, I am a little bit disappointed that the train is not going to go to Willits at least, um, but it looks like that's not going to happen, and so instead we're going to have a hiking trail? Is that what's happening? That's the plan. That's so, the plan. you know, the Great Railroad Trail is, uh, you know, Senator McGuire's baby. He recently had a town hall meeting, so the North Coast Railroad Authority board has transitioned into the Great Railroad Trail Agency, so I do sit on that board. Um, I think that one of the exciting things for inland Mendocino County about the Great Railroad Trail is that it's going to become a, a tourist destination. So right now, the Ukiah section is 1.7 miles, one direction. So it's, um, you know, locals really are able to use it for a walking path. It's all flat and paved and um it's nice for families to be able to walk or folks that maybe have some mobility issues. When it becomes a trail that spans from Marin to Humboldt County, that's really going to become a tourist session destination like the Pacific Coast Trail or like some of the other trails that people use. We really meant for avid cyclists that are going for you know, miles and miles, if not hundreds of miles on a trip. And I don't obviously think that it's going to be built out in my lifetime, but I think that this is the start, right, is try to figure out where the projects go from here. And for me, particularly exciting is the idea of opening up the railroad corridor between Ukiah and Hopland and Ukiah and Redwood Valley. Because for those communities with, um, with, well, with e-bikes, so as like if you talk about Hopland or Redwood Valley as a winery tasting destination, to be able to offer e-bikes, um, you know, so people could ride down a little ways, have a picnic, come back, whatever. 
um, I think that that's a really an opportunity for inland tourism that Mendocino County hasn't had before. So I'm excited about those opportunities. And for the people that live in River Valley and commute to Ukiah, the people that live on Lake Mendocino Drive, that really could become a safe commute corridor. And with e-bikes, um, you know, they go very quickly. They go like 19 miles an hour. So the idea that you could ride your bike to work is um, is is more achievable if there's a, a path like the Great Redwood Trail. But, I, I, you know, in places like the Eel River Canyon that has uh, intense washouts, you're not going to have that's not for commuting, right? That's a single track trail. That's for mountain bike riders or people on horseback um, or avid hikers that are really going to go the, that length. So who's um so who's been in charge or been responsible for getting the path through the Ukiah corridor together? Where's the? Has that been a local group? That hasn't been state. No, no, that's been the city of Ukiah, that's their been, engineering okay. team and their parks and rec team. They do an incredible job of doing it. They actually have a grant for phase four, which will take it from currently where it's at at Commerce, just behind the airport, all the way down to Plant Road. And when I was on the city council, we were working towards projects like um, opening up the, the Russian River with um, access for floating and recreation and then um, getting out at Norgard for potentially having a, um, you know, like a, more of a recreation for the Russian River, which is something I also wanted to talk about today is the Russian River Confluence, which is kind of an old initiative that was previously working between Sonoma and Mendocino County, really to build out the Russian River as a tourist destination and um, to bring awareness to locals about the impact that the river has on our communities. So the county owns, it's, it's actually a, a river access and a park at the Vichy Springs Undercrossing City of Ukiah owns access at Riverside Park and at Norgard Lane. So there are opportunities to use the Russian River as um, recreational um, recreational facility. I actually have floated on my paddleboard. It's been a couple of years, but it's between Perkins and Norgard. It's 3.1 miles. So that's a nice, you know, float. So there, there's real opportunities for mendocino county to collaborate with sonoma county on this initiative that'd be great but we just have to make sure there's water in the river i don't know if you could have paddled most of it this summer yeah, at all that's a that's a big one i like i really this is really great i like the idea of having that bike trail down to hopland and up to redwood valley that makes really great sense especially to bring in tourism and the winery tasting and all that you get people off the roads you get this this, this has a lot of potential for bringing in some um tourist income and and people need places to get away and hike so and there hasn't been much inland most of the tourist activity has always been focused on the coast so this is really encouraging to hear uh i like this idea a lot um so if we were just to throw it out if we would if you want to if we want to increase or upgrade or build the bike trail from ukiah to hopland is that part of what mcguire's project is going to do we we would have to lobby to get money there first how how is that going to happen how do you see that happening to get it happening hopefully in your lifetime because you're much younger than i am i would like to be able to walk on this trail to hopland (laughs) 
Um, yeah, you know, I think that one of the hurdles that we have to overcome, I think, as a community is this understanding that this is what we want to use this public um, right of way for, um, and that we we realize as a community that it would be lovely to have trains come back, but that's really not likely to be in our lifetimes, and how can we use right of way to the benefit of this generation and future generations? until somebody comes up with some kind of um, magical money to actually fund a train. So I think that there needs to be more community conversations so we can really get that ball rolling. I mean, I, I just see the economic development opportunities for the wineries along that route. And, you know, obviously there are concerns for property owners. I understand that. And I think that what I've been asking when I've been meeting with property owners is please tell me what you need. You know, what do you need for safety, what do you do? You need fire patrols. Do you need fencing? Like, what does what does it look like from your end of what your needs are to help facilitate this being open for public access? But but truly, as um, somebody that is uh, a serial entrepreneur, just the economic development opportunities are they seem so fantastic. The hotels and Airport Boulevard, actually, some of them have already gotten the um, e-bikes and scooters so that people can ride from the hotels to downtown it's quick it's quick zip on that little trail to go downtown and dine so you know i think there's a lot of people that are thinking about the economic development opportunities. that it sounds like a good one i could um but the railroad already has the access to the roadway where the the path would be going i believe so what you're talking about is adjacent properties feeling safe with having the additional traffic the foot traffic and all of that that's when you're talking about the the adjacent property owners right yeah yeah, yeah absolutely okay. and right. you know i think the other thing though is is whether or not we can build the trail on the rail bed from Willits South and so far that's still going through um, legal processes oh. and right now it has to be built next to the tracks and not on top of them which is really prohibitive. Um, so our ability to be able to move both the branch like Kaya to Hoplin is going to depend on whether or not we can move past that legal hurdle to um, be able to start initiating and getting grant funds for those projects. Well, at least we'll get it out in the community so people know what's going on. I think having trails and inviting people up here for hiking and seeing the um, the great landscape and um, wildlife and all of that that we have is uh, really a good way to go. I like that better than putting in more wineries. How's that? I think we have enough, but anyway. All right, you know what, folks? I'm going to... Well, I was at the... You go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. I, I shot that. Yeah, with I I was at the Keith Mendocino event, and I did a little interview with Roberta Gonzalez from KTVU. And, you know, one of the things that I was talking about is Lake Mendocino and the economic de development benefits to the Ukiah Valley. By having water in the lake, by having camping pulling open at the lake, by being able to use and recreate those in those trails at Lake Mendocino. And with the lake not having much water in it, it's been a challenge. But I think if we can get, you know, the community and visit Mendocino and our partners on board with support, you know, the, the lake as a, as a tourist destination and recreation destination in connection 
with the Russian River confluence in connection with the Great Redwood Trail, like that is our inland tourism trifecta. So I've definitely been working on, you know, I'm on the Russian River Watershed Association and have been meeting with um, the Russian River Flood Control District and just talking about the benefits of Lake Mendocino economically to our community and what it means to us. Obviously for Sonoma County and Marin, it's about their water, but for us, there's more of a benefit to Lake Mendocino than just that. That's very true. That's a good way of looking at it, the trifecta. I like that idea, Mo. That's great. All right, um, listeners, my guest is Mo Mulhern. A little muddly. She's in her car on her way to another meeting, but we're doing the best we can. Um, Mo, I did want to open up the lines to see if any callers had any questions or comments about this and get an idea of what's going on. You can reach us at 707-895-2448. A lot of things on the table. Mo's, um, let's see, is this your third year? This is your third year in, I think. Second. Second. Oh, second year. Oh, boy. It's just a second. It feels like the third year, doesn't it, though? <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been a pretty tough session going on. Um, the Board of Supervisors have been dealing with some really critical issues for the county as a whole. So, Mo, I'm going to get our first caller on the air and see how that goes. How's that? Good morning, caller. You're on, you're, you're on the air, caller. I hope you're with us. I am with you. Thank right. you for taking my call. So I want to go back to the beginning of the uh, interview and bring up um, something that I found really interesting that I didn't know, even knew, knew, didn't even know existed, which is um, that I was talking to a friend who was telling me about testing kits for fentanyl um, in, in, in street drugs. Um, that this is something that his um, son and friends who uh, use this before they ingest um, uh, drugs. And I'm wondering, um, you know, as a prevention measure, if this is something that the county is investigating in terms of uh, being able to distribute to uh, the community. All right. Thank you for the question. I'll take that. Did you get that, Mo? I did get that, and I believe that McCabin does have some testing kits available. I'm not sure if behavioral health does, but I do know that it's something that they're very aware of. And, um, yeah, I I wouldn't want to say behavioral health does, but I believe McCabin does. So it is something that we're trying to work on. We do have, you know, obviously people in our community that use recreational drugs that don't intend to ingest fentanyl. So it is really important for them to be able to do that safely. Interesting. I hadn't heard about that. Thank you, caller, for that. Uh, one of the things I have heard, and I'm going to just put it out there to you because you're in the group of people that talk about this. Uh, one, one, so some young person died in Ukiah from a fentanyl overdose. And one of the things was that the kids that were there partying with this person were terrified to call for help because then they would get busted. So I don't know if this is a real issue or just they were scared about it, but if they're all using fentanyl and one of them goes down, it does, it makes it, it puts these young kids in a terrible situation. Either I'm going to go to jail or my friend's going to die. Um, so I, I'm just putting that out there. This is something I heard from a community member and they were, t- they were freaked out that the kids wouldn't call for help, but I could see where it puts them in a, a, a bad situation. So no need to comment, but just take it as resource information 
information and maybe throw it in out at one of your meetings to see if that actually happens. I, I haven't had a chance to talk to Matt Kendall, the sheriff. I thought I might talk to him to see if, if that's an issue um, and how often that might happen. I don't know. So, well, uh, I would just say, you know, it, in I, I do want to comment, if you don't mind, Karen. No, I, I mean, in 2022, I think that, you know, uh, first of all, as parents, we need to really be open and communicating with our kids. It's their safety is our priority. And if they are found in a situation where it's unsafe or where something is happening, I mean, I, as a parent myself of two daughters, I definitely am that parent that's like, call me at any time and I'm there. Um, I'm not sure if there have been any cases related to accidental overdose. Um, yeah, that would be a question for the sheriff. But I, you know, I, I posted on social media the, the other day, like, if you want to see my head spin around, tell me there's nothing for kids to do in Ukiah, because I will give you a list yeah. of, you know, 25 things that kids can do, 25, you know, businesses to support that have specific activities for kids. Yeah free activities for kids, activities that are put on the, by the city of Ukiah for kids. Um, and I always tell people, like, until we capture the next generation of kids, right, and support them, lift them up, get them involved in sports or dance or whatever their hobbies are, um, until we show up and support them as a community when they have art shows and dance recitals, um, we will continue to have generational drug addiction and poverty. Like it's up to us. I feel like as this generation to just lift those kids up. And if that means, you know, checking in with the neighbor down the street, does your son need to ride to football practice? Like whatever that looks like, um, we as a community, I think really need to support each other. And, um, it definitely and takes a village. Kids, uh, it takes a know. community. It takes a community. And then, yeah. we, and, we, and then the other thing is Ukiah, which is the heart of the county and has the biggest population. Um, they've got that great uh, youth, uh, what is it, Roarbar? Uh, you know what it is, south end of Ukiah. Yeah, you, Alex Robart. Alex Robart. Yeah, that center, which is phenomenal. It does a lot for the kids. Um, we're going to get another caller on here. Just a minute here. Here we go. Good morning, caller. You're with us. Your question or comment? Oh, thanks for taking my call. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, we can. Thank you. What's your call? Question? Okay. Uh, well, I think that it's time, or, or as far as our county codes goes, it's really disconcerting that um, we cannot take leadership roles around the state so that they can look at us. We've always been a leader here when it comes to sustainable uh, technologies and moving into the future that, um, you know, the national government is now talking about. And I, d I just think that we have proof in the pudding here to actually take a leadership role amongst the state. So and I think that if we can produce some codes, codes ourselves that are leadership codes, um, uh, like uh, saying that if you all drive-throughs have to be electric vehicles only by the year 2025, then the, the state will look at us and say, oh, they're leading. And then when we want to enact other codes as far as our building codes, then they will listen to us. Boy, that sounds like and a great idea. Wouldn't that be wonderful? You're I just think that we're losing 
the space that we own for the last 40 years by not utilizing you know our our positive aspects all right thanks for the call you're breaking up um that's a good comment in a way because i go back to um Actually, I go back to Class K and when Class K started and how that was pretty ahead of its time in the state. I think we led the way in it. We still do have Class K isn't as uh, open and, I want to say, not, not liberal, but isn't as open and uh, working as it did before. There's been more restrictions put on the Class K, but we did lead, lead the way with the state in Class K. Um Mo, when we talked when we talked about the ordinances and the top down, the state down, is there any avenue for us to do something creative? I know I know Mendocino County led the way with uh, solar. Period. We that was us, Northern Mendocino County, um, Class K. Um, is there any opportunity for us to do that when we've got the state coming down on us? I just. I mean, I would- I would be happy to bring anything forward, right? I, I just don't know what I don't know. So I don't build houses. So yeah. if there's somebody out there that has ideas about what that what that looks like, I mean, please reach out and call and call me or text me. I'm readily available to have these discussions. Printed houses. I'm I'm trying. I've been looking at those online a lot, where they bring in the big printers with the concrete and the mixture and all of that. Um, there are some issues around, but boy, they can go up fast. But then you've got the interiors to work around. You know, I don't know if it's even feasible. I heard that there is there was just a printed uh, house down in SoCal. So, um, so maybe maybe I need to get the planning department on and see if we can. Maybe I'll try to get Julia Acker. Um, can't remember her new name um on to see if we could talk about some of the creative things we might be doing that'd be the place to go i'm going to get another caller on mo here we go good morning caller you're with us hello hello are you there caller nope guess not gone Okay, call back again, 707-895-2448 if you'd like to have a question or a comment to Mo Mulhern, 2nd District Supervisor, and looks like that person's going to try back. Good morning, caller. You're with us. Are you there? I am here. Good morning. Good. What's up? So this is a planning and building. I'm a local solar contractor, and before the pandemic hit, I could go in and get a solar permit for a simple solar job, either rooftop or ground mount. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, over the counter, it would take me a half hour to an hour. Now they got rid of that, which I believe was a mandate by California to begin with. And now that's gone, and it's taken me up to two two months to get the same permit. Really? The question is, yeah, and it's really, I don't get it. I mean, to me, you say they're doing well down there. I've encountered nothing but dysfunction down there wow. since the pandemic hit. And um, I just wondered if that's going to be straightened out, and if it is a mandate, how come we're not following it? And I the mandate. Is that, wait, is that the mandate for the Tuesday day Tuesday thing? I know well, Tuesday, the, mandate, the Tuesday is the, the walk up was, counter. Right. Well, that's gone now. Tuesdays and Thursdays from nine to one used to be. Those are gone now. From oh, what I understand. No, that, that and they used to expedite. Okay. The mandate was to expedite solar. You know, we have a big green push in this state, and there was a you know something came down from high above to you know to mandate these permits get uh, dealt with in an ex, you know expeditious fashion, and they were. And now that's gone, and I, I asked down there, and I just get blank stares about it coming back. So, really? I don't know if anybody has any any input on that, and I'll take the answer off the air. Well, let me just say that we were we were late allowed to do a walk up last. 
a Tuesday. They did tell that we still had the walk-up counter for Tuesday. I don't know about the Thursday thing. So, well, this is we, me. This is there, really pushing me. This is really pushing there, me. Excuse me, one more time. Yeah. There's, there's a difference between now we can go in that we don't make, need to make an appointment anymore. Okay. That has changed since since COVID kind of relaxed a little bit. So now it's open. You can go in without a permit, but I still have to turn my stuff in and wait for well over a month and probably call 10 times just to make sure it's not sitting there not being looked at on somebody's desk okay so that is my that's my comment. all right all right well question. good well this is good to know i um this is definitely working up to a planning and building show um mo do you want to make a comment yeah i do want to make a comment and i think that that's a fair um a, a challenge and mendocino county has had a lot of challenge in being able to hire people so that we can have enough people to do the work. And um, I am grateful that they are now open again, of course, after all of the COVID restrictions, but we still have a lot of work in being able to hire qualified people. And, you know, again, that's not a Mendocino County specific issue. That's a nationwide issue. Um, but I think as a community, we can certainly be looking at uh, creative alternatives to be able to especially economic development, housing, and uh, climate initiatives forward. Well, how would you? How are we going to get creative about getting these people in these positions? I guess that's been one of the difficult things for the board and for these departments is that, and I know the SEIU Employees Union is just having a heck of a time. We're trying to get people to come to get these jobs. The wages are, you know, mediocre, not the heights compared to the Sonoma County and Napa, but housing is the big issue, too. So... Um, what are you thinking about creatively? I'd like to hear. Is, is there anything creative we can do? Well, I recently, I recently applied for a job with the county um, in the course of the board's office just because I, you know, it's been decades since I've worked at the county. It's been a long time. Just to look at the application process. And, you know, that's one of our, our complaints that we get is it takes way too long to get to the application process. Another challenge that we have being a smaller rural community is the minimum qualifications. And not a lot of the people that can do the work have the university college experience. So, you know, the, the, the board, HR, and the union need to work through reviewing some of those min minimum qualifications, in my opinion, um, because we're not able to find people that can do the job based on those, but there are people in our community that would be able to do the job well. And I mean, I'm talking about people that have four years of experience instead of six. Like, let's hire the person with four years of experience instead of leaving that position open because of two years. I mean, how do you know if, if that really, those two years of minimum qualifications um, have given the person enough work experience or if they're going to be able to effectively do the job with four years? Get in and, get in like and, that, that yeah, we, get in and learn as they're going on. You get in and get established yeah. yeah well you've got a training period anyway that's one of the big issues with bringing these new people in the staff that's there has to train the new person coming in that takes away from staff of what they were nor what they would be doing on their on their desk um okay we're going to get another caller in well they died off uh 707-895-2448 we're going to get one caller in caller you're with us i hope are you there hello hello caller Hello. Hello, you're on the air. Hi. I just wanted to thank Mo for mentioning horses on the Great Redwood Trail because I don't hear much mention of that. And I've been riding the trails for over 60 years on the track. So thank you. 
Great. Thank you. We like horse trails. There used to be one through Anderson Valley. There used to be one that went all the way from Sonoma, I believe, up in the hills, all the way through Anderson Valley, and there was an annual trek where everybody would come in and do the horse trails. Yeah, I mean, as most any of the outdoor activities that we can get people in and highlight our tourism that way, I think is an incredible thing to do. And I'm really jazzed about seeing the Inland Corridor getting some of this um, tourist traffic coming in, because like I said, it's always been the coast, so it'll be nice to, to see some of the inland traffic going into there, too. So uh, one last caller here. We're going to get in real quick, Mo. Good morning, caller. You're on the air with us. Are you there? Yes. Yes, I am. Can you hear me? I can indeed. What's your comment? Oh, yeah. I, what I'd like to do is um, reinforce all, everything that you're doing. We need to have local control. That's number one. If you have to duke it out to get the applications to our rural area, then do it. Because um, I fought to save wells. I fight to save parks and open space. And we need to have the quality of our life up here in Mendocino. I feel like we're like another country. Um, and, it, you know, the, the beauty is what brings people. And what we need to do is maintain the quality of our rural environment and, and, all, and not just, you know, turn it into a San Jose or Santa Rosa. There we so, go. Yeah. So, and you know, we have to allow local people to have local voices. I've been an advocate for years for parks and open space, even in the middle of town. All right. The half acre of open land that has raccoonies and deer that eat the apples or that, you know, come, that the children can come and breathe. You know, the land is, we only have, it's our, it's our natural resource. And once it's gone, it's gone. All right. Thanks we don't for that. Thanks okay, well, no, no, no. I oh, want to ask about homeless, homeless, homeless. Oh, okay, go ahead. We've got to have affordable housing, and I think taking care of the old houses that are here and the old hotels and learning learning to retrofit to make them earthquake-proof. We don't need to take Howard Hospital down. We need a, a, a childbirth center. We need laboratories to analyze the soils and the water quality and the air quality. Keep our, our old buildings and, and repair them. And keep them up and teach the skills that the children and that the new generations are going to need to learn earth earthquake proofing. And, and don't just buy into all this, you know, contractors making $200,000 to repair a street. I'm sorry, I get by on $12,000 $12, a year. And there's too much, and there's too many chiefs, not enough Indians. You give the money to the local people, every community should have a mental health center. All right. Every every community should have a residential district, you know, home for the for the people that are living out on the streets or in their cars. All right, I got to get out here. Okay, Thanks thank for you. the comments. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, the cost of building, folks, is outrageous. Uh, I know. I've been trying to do it in Anderson Valley. It's phenomenal. Um, but it is what it is. I don't know how you get around that, especially with government buildings where everything has to be contractors. You can't have volunteers. Correct, Mo. You can't do that. We can't all we can't all get together and build a fire department like we did in Anderson Valley years ago. We just can't do it anymore. So um, we have we have some bathrooms to paint in our parks, and I would love to just you know have a couple volunteers come for four hours so we can just knock it out. I mean, it's fifteen thousand dollars instead of you know donated paint and some volunteers. So can we you have do a lot that? of work to do to get through the government. You can't even do that, can you? You can't even just go in with volunteers and paint the bathrooms, can you? No. Not right now, but I I think that you know we're we're I'm on the parks ad hoc for the county, and we're trying to work through like um, how to increase revenue for the parks to maintain the parks. But I also think we really need to have a friends of the parks program where we're we're having 
um, neighbors help support the county in, in helping with some of the um, maintenance to make sure that the parks can stay open and everybody can enjoy them. I can would... I give one quick plug for... Um, yeah. Go ahead. And I just want to give one quick plug for uh, Narcan is available and there's training available. Um, Measure B funding has been used to contract with NAMI Mendocino and they've been doing an incredible job with our behavioral health department on doing events for suicide awareness, for overdose, overdose awareness, and also um, some community de-escalation training and, of course, Narcan training. All right. I got to get out of here, Mo. Thank you so much for doing this. Keep up the good watch work, and I will continue to watch. <laughs> Hang in there, Mo. All right, folks. That was Mo Mulhern, 2nd District Supervisor from Ukiah area. Uh, I'll be back with you in two weeks. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.